another trip to Wembley for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal and another success on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. We're going to be dissecting the Community Shield final. Arsenal defeated the mighty Liverpool on penalties and we're going to be looking back at that right here. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. And I did say on Twitter earlier on, actually, that I wasn't going to do this live, that I was going to pre-record it and release it later on this evening. But such was my excitement to get this done. I wanted to get it recorded and I felt like it would be better with your live interaction. So I want to first of all say a big hello to every single one of you who is tuned in and joining us live at the moment, wherever you may be around the world. And we know we've got listeners, viewers from all over the globe, which is great. So a big hello to every single one of you. And um, what else to say other than I'm buzzing. I am absolutely buzzing with what we saw yesterday from Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. Spoke about it in the lead up to this game. And I talked about the fact that whilst the Community Shield is seen as a friendly trophy and all of that stuff, the significance of a win, I said, could be massive because of the confidence boost, because it would get the players and the fans, of course, believing in what Mikel Arteta is doing, believing in the process and, and the more positive results we get along the way, in particular against those sides that theoretically we don't have a right to beat then, you know, the better it will be and the more of a positive and a boost it will give us going into the season. Now, the circumstances were tough for Arsenal going into this one. And I know Liverpool are still in pre-season as well. But of course, Liverpool, they played two games last week. They are a week ahead of us in terms of the training. And, you know, yes, they had some players unavailable as well. But in terms of Arsenal, we had a ton of players unavailable. Um, we had so, so many players who would be in with a shout of, of starting and uh, being on the bench and they were all missing because they simply haven't trained enough. And Mikel Arteta spoke about the fact that some of the, those Arsenal players yesterday had only trained for one day. That is incredible to think that after one day's training, they turned in a performance like this. Um before we delve into it and go into the ins and outs of the game, let's have a big uh, hello to everyone watching us live at the moment. Hello to Opara Kelvin, um, to Grim, um, to Omar, uh, to Hambo, to Tommy, to Bad Boy, to uh, former Arsenal striker Kevin Campbell. Legend, how you doing, mate? Welcome to the stream. This is Top Man H. And we have to be very happy winning another Arsenal trophy, especially with the selected team. He also goes on to say there's no such thing as a friendly, especially when there's a trophy at stake. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, I, I say friendly because I I I'm someone who mocked Jose Mourinho when he sat there and said about the fact that he'd won an extra trophy by winning this. So because of that, um, you know, it, it all right, it, it is a piece of silverware. Of course, physically it is, and it's great. Um, but it isn't one of the major trophies, I would say. Um, big hello to Carrie. Uh, it's 100% Guna TV. Welcome to you all, mate. Welcome to the stream. Uh, and uh, let's uh, get on with it. Let's uh, dive into uh, the proceedings yesterday. And we'll start by looking at the two um, starting lineups. I'm going to share my screen 
with you for those of you watching us on YouTube. Uh, those of you that are listening via the audio, don't worry, I'm going to be going through it. And anything I do with my screen, I'll be talking you through it as best as possible. Uh, so going to share my screen with you guys now. As of you should be able to see, it. I've got the two lineups on my screen. Um, Liverpool are in blue on this just because I've only got blue or red counters. So don't get on to me about that. Uh, but looking at the Arsenal team, it was Emmy Martinez in goals, a back three of Kieran Tierney, David Lewis and Rob Holding with Bayer in and Maitland-Niles playing in the wing-back positions. Xhaka and Elneny were the midfield pivot with Aubameyang and Ketia and Saka making up Arsenal's front three. Looking at Liverpool's side, it was Alisson in goal, back four of Neko Williams, uh, Joe Gomez, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson. In the middle of the park, they had Gini Wijnaldum, Fabinho and James Milner and their front three was the famous front three and that is Salah, Firmino and Mane. So, you know, on paper, you would argue that Liverpool had less players missing than we did. I mean, for example, if you look at their defence other than Williams, that's pretty much their starting back four at the moment. Yes, Trent Alexander-Arnold would have been in there at right back, but he wasn't. Um, midfield, you could argue Henderson would have played over over Milner or maybe even Naby Keita, but Keita was on the bench, so he was available and the front three was, was very much first choice. Arsenal's front three, however, wasn't first choice. Um, Eddie Nketiah, Bukayo Saka both in there, but that we were missing uh, Nicola Pepe and Alexander Lacazette, who have been very, very important um, in recent times as well. So, you know, when you take that into account, plus the fact that El Nenny has come back from the dark, Rob Holding, who we think is going to be joining uh, Newcastle United this week on loan, he was in the side as well. Um, of course, William Saliba on the bench, still no Pablo Marie, uh, still no Skodran Mustafi uh, and Socrates uh, wasn't in the starting lineup either. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the two lineups on paper, you would have said that Liverpool were probably the favourites and, and understandably so. But I want to start off before we go into sort of the tactical side of the game. I want to start off by looking at Arsenal's goal because it was a wonderful goal. And as Arsenal fans and as football fans in general, I'm sure we've all had moments over the last few years where we've watched our team trying to play out from the back and we've gone, what are you doing? Why are you putting us under unnecessary pressure? Why are you taking these risks? Well, Arsenal's opening goal, if ever there was an example of the of what the the end goal of playing out from the back is, this was it. Because Mikel Arteta's side were playing in a really, really dangerous area of the pitch. And I'm just going to share some screenshots for you guys watching us on the video. If you're listening on the audio and you prefer to check out the video, do come over to YouTube. You can find it there and you'll get all the visuals as well. Um, but of course, if you want to stay on the audio, you're also welcome to do so. Um, but let me just share some screenshots with you guys. And this is when Arsenal eventually played the ball out from the back. So you can see that David Lewis is right on the edge of his six-yard box. You can see... Rob Holding is in line with the edge of the six-yard box, slightly wider. Mohamed Elneny dropped in the hole to receive the ball. And between him, Martinez, Lewis, Holding, they work the ball out to Hector Bellerin on the right-hand side. And what that's done automatically, and this screenshot only captures a certain area of the pitch, but what it does is it entices Liverpool to come forward. It entices Liverpool to press and it brings them into our own penalty area. Now, the risk is that if you lose the ball in this kind of area, you're in a you're in serious trouble. You're conceding possession inside your penalty area. And we know that that's not ideal. However, 
if you manage to beat the press, which Arsenal did, you find the ball to Bellerin and then Bellerin played it down the line, didn't he, to Bukayo Saka. And this is where Bukayo Saka receives it. So in the first screenshot, you've seen three Liverpool players caught out there. And in this screenshot, you're now seeing another three Liverpool players bypassed. That means we have bypassed six of Liverpool's 10 outfield players. And that is the whole purpose of what we are trying to do. That is the end goal. That is what Mikel Arteta is desperate to see his side do. Now, there are going to be games where we play against sides who won't come out and press us. And more often than not, that's probably going to be against those weaker sides who, you know, they're not looking to come out. They're not looking to, to cross the halfway line. They'll be looking to sit in a low block, a bit like we were yesterday. But when people say Arsenal were very deep and Arsenal had no intention of getting forward, that's simply not true. It's just that we were trying to lure Liverpool in to do exactly this. And you can see when Bukayo Saka receives the ball here, Arsenal have a clear run on the Liverpool defence. You can just see Aubameyang on that far side. You can see Eddie Nketiah making a run through the middle. And Bukayo Saka, to his credit, he cuts inside. And as you can see in this next screenshot, where you're seeing Eddie Nketiah making this run out slightly towards the right-hand side, taking Joe Gomez with him, who's had to come across. But then you see Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang lurking on that far side. And there's been a massive, massive debate around whether or not Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang should be playing through the middle or whether or not Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is better suited to this left-hand side. I've always maintained that I actually prefer him playing out from the left. I think the statistics prove it, as I've said time and time again, and I've shown you guys on previous broadcasts, that his goal record is better when he plays in that position. And it's for the simple reason of when Saka gets the ball here and he looks up, Aubameyang has isolated Neko Williams, the weak link in Liverpool's side. And more often than not, as a striker, you'd rather isolate a fullback than a centre-back. You don't want Virgil van Dijk uh, up your ass basically, when you're trying to get forward. You don't want to have to go round and take on Virgil van Dijk. But the way Arsenal have worked this, the way they've bypassed Liverpool's midfield, the way Eddie Nketiah has made this run slightly diagonally towards this right-hand side means that Gomez has to tuck in and it isolates Neko Williams on that far side. And when Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang receives the ball on the left, he's always going to cut inside. You know he's going to do that. But what makes this really, really difficult to defend and adds another dimension to this Arsenal attack is the run made on the outside by Kieran Tierney. We're going to come on to talk about Arsenal's formation and some of the roles that the players were given in a little bit. But Kieran Tierney's run all the way from left centre-back makes Nico Williams think twice, doesn't he? He hasn't... Uh, you know, he can see Kieran Tierney coming, therefore he can't commit fully to Aubameyang because if he does, Aubameyang just slots Tierney in. It's forced Jorginho Wijnaldum to come across from the midfield and try and deal with Aubameyang as well. But by the time he does that, Aubameyang's already shifted it onto his right foot. And well, we know what happens after that. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang makes no mistake and finds that far corner. So that was very deliberate. All of that passage of play was excellent it was fantastic and that is what Mikel Arteta is looking for from his Arsenal side when they play out from the back and they play on the edge of their six-yard box and they invite pressure yes it's nervy at times yes over the course of the season there will be times where it will cost us there will be times where we will lose the ball in a dangerous area and we'll pay for it but 
that, as I said right at the top of this little segment, if ever there was a perfect example of what Mikel Arteta is trying to achieve by playing out from the back, that was it. And when you've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on the end uh, of, of a move like that, then your chances of scoring increase significantly. He's a wonderful player, wonderful talent. And once again, he proved exactly how important it is for Arsenal to keep hold of him um, going forward. And, you know, yes, he's still got a year left on his contract, which means he's going to be an Arsenal player at least for next season, unless we sell, which you'd hope we wouldn't. Um, but fingers crossed, you know, I've been saying that the deal is done. I truly believe that. My information is that the deal has been done. Uh, we're just waiting on an announcement. They're dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and we should hear about that very, very soon. Let's go back over to the live chat, see what you guys are saying um, as well. Um, and then we will uh, come back to looking back at the game. Uh, Russ Morgan, he says, great result, eh, Harry? Absolutely, mate. And I, is it, am I mistaken in saying it's your birthday? I'm pretty sure I wrote you a little happy birthday message on Facebook earlier on. Just going to double check that because I don't want to wish you a happy birthday if it's not your birthday. But if it is, um, I want to wish you a wonderful day, mate. And uh, yeah, it is. Happy birthday, mate. All the best. And um, thank you for tuning in. Um, to the Chronicles of Aguna live on your birthday. Really, really appreciate it and hope you have a great day with your friends and family. Uh, Birat says, hello, Harry from Nepal. How are you doing? Um, ben Turner asks about Mohamed Elneny and whether we should keep him as a squad option. I'm going to come on to that in a little bit, my friend. Um, so don't worry, we'll be talking about that. Um, Al Beasy says, do you still want to sell Ainsley Maitland-Niles? If so, at what price? Again, we're going to come on to that in a little bit. We've got plenty of time today and plenty of stuff to get through, so don't worry. Um, John Cover says, good afternoon, Harry. Still think we're short a striker. Um, Eddie, I think, is not up to the level that we need. 100% uh, Guna TV says, hit the like button, guys. Yes, please do. There are over 100 of you watching us now on the various platforms. So if you haven't already, please do smash that like button. Um, I know I keep banging on about it. I'm a little bit conscious of it now, so I'm probably going to lay off that a little bit today. Let's not say I won't say it because I will, um, but maybe not as often as last time. Um, we've got 32 likes on YouTube at the moment and there are, as I said, over 100 of you watching. So please do smash that like button if you haven't already. Subscribe if, you knew, if you're new and uh, you know the drill by now. Um, Carter is buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Um, Jamie Dunn says, good evening, Harry and chat. I'm later than a granny checker slide tackle. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Carter says, it was a fight. We were up for it. It is nice to see us play this way. Absolutely. Graham says, easily the best half of football I've seen for years. Arteta can be the next Wenger. Uh, Matt Gray says, I prefer Oba on the left. It's easier for two centre-backs to block him out of the game when he's in the middle. Yep, agree. Um, I've been saying that for, for a few weeks now. So I'm glad to see that that is, you know, it's being proven right uh, time and time again. Um, Pramod says, Harry, I have no problem playing out of the back, but I don't want to see that every time. We need to mix it up. Yeah, uh, look, I think one of the good things about Mikel Arteta is we all thought he was going to come in and, and want to play this swashbuckling attacking football because he'd been with Pep Guardiola for so long. But we've all clearly seen that actually Mikel Arteta has a lot more about him as a manager. And Mikel Arteta is willing to change things up. He is willing to be more defensive when necessary. He is willing to drop people. He is willing to adapt players' positions. He is adaptable and he's a great manager 
as well as a coach. And I know that sounds a bit silly, but they're two very different things. For example, Jose Mourinho in history, not so much now, has been a great manager in the sense of he's managed games perfectly throughout and got the best results because of his ability to sniff stuff out before he's a position manager, because of his ability to read a football match. And Mikel Arteta appears to me to have that as well. Um, you know, I, I had no doubts about his coaching capabilities and the fact that he would probably come in and improve a lot of players. But in terms of his game management, it's clear that that is something he's very strong in. Uh, SGT Media says, great football from the lads. El Elneny actually got us ticking in the midfield. Um, Tulip says, great result, great performance. Still should re-sign Ceballos. Uh, Carlo says, yes, Harry, hope you're well. Carrie asks about Partey or Awar. We'll come on to that. And I'm going to get you guys to put your comments, uh, your questions in a little bit later as well. Um, because obviously the chat box is going to fill up. So towards the end of the show, I'm going to ask you to put strictly questions in and we'll go through as many of those as we possibly can as well between the end, uh, between now and the end of the show. Aob says, right back, our problem. What do you think, Harry? Um, I thought Bellerin started the game poorly. If I'm honest, I thought he was a little bit slow. Um, he gave the ball away on a number of occasions in that first period. And that was really annoying, cheaply as well. But after around about the first 25, 30 minutes, I think Hector Bellerin's performance really, really picked up. Granted, watching it back, because I did watch the game back this morning, I think some of the time when he was getting caught out, it was because Bukayo Saka actually wasn't doing his job, wasn't helping out. Um, so yeah, I've got to bear that in mind as well. I don't think it's necessarily a problem position, particularly if we keep hold of Bellerin, Cedric and Ainsley Maitland-Niles stays at the club. I think it's a position that we're well stocked in and, you know, take into account that Callum Chambers can probably play there as well. And I think we'll we'll be fine in the right back position. Um, Justin Time says two victories over Liverpool in the last two months. Hopefully that victory will convince the board to back Arteta and get the Partey deal done. Love the show, Harry. Thank you so much. Right. Let's go back to the tactical board for a little bit and then we'll come back uh, to some of your live comments in just a few moments time. So there was a couple of points that I wanted to make, a couple of bits and pieces that I wanted to show you guys um, throughout this. And I just want to demonstrate once again what I was talking about with the goal, um, Arsenal's opening goal. And you saw the players take up these positions, didn't you? Um, you saw Bellerin sort of come out here. You see Elneny drop into this gap to receive the ball. And what that does is it invites the likes of uh, Salah, of Firmino, of Mane into push. And, and subsequently, as a midfield, you don't want to be caught too far off of your attack. You don't want to have gaping holes and it sucked in the midfield players as well and Arsenal were able to bypass that. Now, one of the things that we've seen commonly actually under Mikel Arteta is this switch from, it's, you know, it looks like a back five on paper and when we haven't got the ball, for the most part, it pretty much is that. But Arsenal are very willing at the moment to push Ainsley Maitland-Niles on into that left left wing position when they have the ball and then it becomes, doesn't it, a back four with Bellerin very much tucking in as a right back and Tierney going into left back. Obviously, Tierney by trade is a left back. And so he has the ability to do that and make that change seamlessly, which is really helpful in this current system because often it's Bellerin or Tierney who are going to receive the ball. And what you're seeing a lot of at the moment is this particular pass. Um, it's, it's a pass that you're seeing 
Let me just get my little arrows. Uh, not quite Andy Gray on this yet. Uh, is that the one? Nope. That the one? Nope. I thought I was better at this than that, but here we go. Um, Andy Gray, eat your heart out. Here we go. Here it is. So you, you see this pass down the flank, and it's this pass that is played right along the touchline almost. And it looks like there's no angle there, doesn't it? When you look, you know, sort of on the surface of things, it looks like there's no angle to play that pass, but there is. And you saw Saka get onto that, and you saw the goal created subsequently from that. We saw it in the FA Cup final time and time again, where Tierney was playing this ball in behind, down the flank, from the left-back position, and either Maitland-Niles was making that run, or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was doing so. Um, you know, into those positions as well. So you're seeing those passes right down the line. And as I said, they look as if there's no angle because with the fullback being so close to the touchline, the pass has to be accurate. If it's slightly inaccurate, it's going out for a throw-in. But you see that pass time and time and time again in this Arsenal side. And it's very much our outlet ball at the moment. Now, when Alexander Lacazette is in the side, you have another outlet as well because you know that you can play the ball into his feet and it will stick. That's not so much the case with Eddie Nketiah. And that's not a criticism of the young Arsenal striker. It's simply an observation. He's a very different type of striker to Alexander Lacazette, who we've seen in recent times has dropped into sort of deep positions to receive the ball very effectively uh, for Arsenal. With Eddie Nketiah, though, what you get perhaps more of that you don't see as much from Lacazette, and I'm not saying he never does it, but Eddie Nketiah is far more effective in pressing people, in putting Van Dijk, Gomez, Robertson under pressure every time they get the ball at their feet. So, you know, there are positives with both um, and, and it depends, you know, depending on who plays up front, you're going to see Arsenal slightly adapt their approach. But what I would say is um, Eddie Nketiah is slightly more effective in the press However, Lacazette just drops into that false nine position a little bit more effectively and helps us out in that sense. So it's just a couple of tactical bits um, that I wanted to point out. Uh, I spoke about that ball down the line that seems to be, have become a real common feature of Arsenal's play under Mikel Arteta. Wasn't so much so previously, um, but we've seen it something that works. And what this current system that we're playing in allows us to do is to be fluid, is to convert that back four, as you're seeing it now on your screens, back into a back five as soon as Arsenal lose the ball. And, and you know, how many times, particularly in that first half, when after Arsenal had scored, did you see Aubameyang in these sort of areas, sort of helping out the left wing back and, and covering in that hole between the left wing back and Granit Xhaka? You wouldn't have seen that kind of work rate from an Arsenal front line previously. And it just goes to show the difference as to the way this team are performing at the moment, the desire to win, the non-negotiables that Mikel Arteta was banging on and on about when he first took the job. We're seeing those being adhered to at the moment by even our most, you know, important of players. You know, it'd be easy for Aubameyang to swan around and do nothing, considering he seems to be the source of pretty much all of our goals at the moment. But, you know... He's bought into this. He's really bought into this. And and the way Mikel Arteta is talking about the contract negotiations suggests that, that a deal is very close, if not done already. But you can see this, this love affair between Mikel Arteta and the players. And what I love is, I know when you win a trophy, people smile, people celebrate, people are happy. You've got to be a miserable bastard not to enjoy it. 
But you you see Mikel Arteta go over to every single one of his players, put his arm around them, give them a hug. And, and when you see him do that, you realise what a close bond he has developed with so much of this group because you can see it's genuine. You can see there is a real love for Mikel Arteta from the players and you can see you know, that he loves the players too. You can see that there's a really good, strong bond developing. And the more he gets results like this, the more they're going to believe in him, the more they're going to buy into his methods and the more success this Arsenal side are going to have. Let's talk about some of the individual performances as well, because, um, you know, yes, second half, I don't really want to dwell on the second half too much because we defended really, really well for the most part. A couple of lapses, a couple of good saves from Martinez, but it's Liverpool. You know, with with one of the best front threes um, in world football, and you're gonna, you, they're gonna be moments where you're sort of holding on to your luck a little bit. But again, for the most part, as I said, Arsenal defended brilliantly. One other thing I wanted to point out, actually, I, I almost forgot this, so I'll just do this quickly. Um, was the introduction of Minamino, and Minamino made a massive, massive difference uh, to Liverpool. I thought um, because when he came on. He really, he added an extra body in an area of the pitch where Liverpool had struggled to break us down. Obviously, through the middle, when you're playing with this current system that we are, um, you know, you'll see that they'll they'll have a hard time getting through the middle. But what Minamino's introduction did, and, and credit to Jurgen Klopp, because it was a smart move. If you just look it, as if this was Arsenal's back five, you know, Minamino come in and he didn't go and play on either flank or anything like that. He literally went and stuck himself up front next to Roberto Firmino. And the two of them were, were exploiting these gaps here. And you saw some really good link-up play, which eventually allowed Minamino in to score the goal. But that extra body was a problem for Arsenal to deal with. It really, really was. It was an issue. Um, and, and as a result, Liverpool looked a lot more threatening once he had come onto the pitch. So smart tactical move from Jurgen Klopp. Um, one that we, I'm not going to say we struggled to, to adapt to or struggled to deal with, but well, no, we did at, at times, we did for, for periods. And of course, the goal come from it. So you can't say it was something we coped with perfectly. But Arsenal were far more equipped to deal with these situations under Mikel Arteta than they've been in the last 20 odd years. And it's nuts. Um, it's nuts to think that. Uh, all right, 20 odd years might be a stretch, right? 10 years. Um, but, you know, it's nuts to think about the progress and how much we've improved. And I just wanted to highlight that because I thought that was key in Liverpool getting back into the game. So I think if Minamino doesn't come on, and it's not because I think that Minamino is necessarily a great player, but it was the role that he took up was a smart tactical move from Jurgen Klopp to just uh, cause us a few more problems. And he certainly um, saw the benefit of that, didn't he, when Minamino got the goal. Let's go back to the Arsenal side. Let's look at uh, some individual performances. Emi Martinez, again, brilliant, fantastic, outstanding. Comes and catches things when he needs to. Makes himself big. Comes and spreads himself at key moments. Made some really, really important saves for Arsenal again. And all this transfer talk now, is, you know, after that performance yesterday, you're sitting there thinking, do we sell this, this guy? Excuse me. You're thinking, do we sell this guy? £10 million. You certainly don't fucking sell him for £10 million. I'm going to say that now. Um, you know, we've heard reports that Aston Villa are preparing a £10 million bid. Is Martinez going to be happy to share that number one spot with Bern Leno, though? 
I don't know. There've been loads of reports, haven't there? There've been loads of suggestions that in Arsenal's eyes, Bernd Leno remains the number one goalkeeper. But I thought that was a huge show of faith in him from Mikel Arteta. And I know that obviously Martinez played towards the end of the season. I know that Martinez uh, filled in for Bernd Leno when he was injured. And I know that, you know, that we had no real choice but to play Martinez towards the back end of last season. But he did take the chance with both hands. And despite Bernd Leno starting against MK Dons the other day, it was great to see Mikel Arteta say, you know what? Emmy's been our goalkeeper. He hasn't done anything wrong. I can't drop him. I can't drop him. And if he continues to perform in the vein in which he performed on Saturday, then he is undroppable at this stage. I don't see how any manager who wants to let his players know that the side will be decided on merit, that you will play if you perform, you will play if you maintain your standards. If that is the attitude that you are trying to instill into your side, how can you possibly drop Emi Martinez now? You can't. And this is where Mikel Arteta has to be strong. Yes, Bern Leno ain't going to like it because Bern Leno came to Arsenal with the view of being Arsenal's number one for many years to come, I'm sure. But Emi Martinez has taken his opportunity and he's delivered and he's delivered time and time and time again. If you sell Emi Martinez, we still need another goalkeeper. I don't know about you guys, but Matt Macy, you're going to look at him and say he's ready to play a Europa League campaign, for example? No, I'm not. I would say no. And so if you sell Martinez, are you going to go and get a better goalkeeper for him than 10 for, for 10, 15 million? Of course not. It's not possible. So I feel like we're building something at Arsenal. I feel like we're on the right path under Mikel Arteta. I get that Martinez wants to play. But if he is open to the idea of fighting for the spot with Bern Leno, if he believes that he'll be given a fair crack at keeping that spot, maintaining that position, then I think as a football club, we've got to do what we can to keep him. I know that I said that, you know, we're going to have to make some difficult decisions this summer. We're going to lose some players that we don't necessarily want to lose because we're going to have to raise some funds in other areas. But when you see performances like that, it's impossible, isn't it, to, to feel like moving him on would be anything other than stupid at this moment in time. Just my thoughts. Let me know your thoughts as well in the live chat box and in the comments afterwards if you're watching this back on playback or listening via the podcast. Um, guys, there are over 205 of you watching us now across the multiple platforms live. 52 likes. Let's get that up to 100. Um, okay, it only takes half of you to hit that like button and we will hit that target. As I said, we're on 52 at present. I know I keep talking about it, but likes are very much the golden currency on YouTube these days. As we've seen, the channel is growing massively and I thank you all for that. Um, but I just want to ask you guys once again um, to, to humour me and hit that like button if you haven't already. Let's uh, talk about Ainsley Maitland-Niles, another player who has been heavily, heavily linked with a move away from the Emirates Stadium this summer. I said to you the other day that if a bid came in for £25 million, I'd consider it. Well, after another display like that, I'm starting to change my mind. And um, it's not me being a flip-flop. You know, if someone proves you wrong, great. And he proved again yesterday that he can do a wonderful job at both ends of the pitch. He can get forward and be effective, but he's also improved so much defensively 
He kept Mo Salah quiet. That's no mean feat. We're talking about Mo Salah, who's taken the Premier League by storm since he returned um, from Roma. And he didn't have a sniff against Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I know Kieran Tierney played his part in that as well. I know Granit Xhaka did and various other players did as well. But Ainsley Maitland-Niles just looked so mature in his performance yesterday. He read things really, really well. He often got his body in the right place in terms of getting in front of people, preventing them, uh, getting a run in on him. I've said it in a recent show. I think over the first five yards, I think there aren't many people who are as sharp as Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And that maybe comes as a surprise because at times Ainsley Maitland-Niles can look casual, he can look lazy, but that's certainly not the case um, with with, uh, with Maitland-Niles. Of course, celebrated his birthday yesterday as well. And what a way to do it by getting a man of the match performance, um, scoring a penalty in the shootout as calmly, as coolly, um, as he did, must have been a great day for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And he was asked in his post-match interview, I think it was on BT Sport, um, what, what the deal was with his future. And he said, look, I'm an Arsenal player until I'm told otherwise. Um, you know, and that was great to see. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is, is an Arsenal player. He is committed to the cause. And, you know, it's fantastic to see that. And it's fantastic to know that he, at least for the time being, feels that like Arsenal's his home. Mikel Arteta keeps talking about it um, whenever he's asked. And he always says, doesn't he? He always says, well, the best way I can show a player what I think about him is by playing him. And the fact that Ainsley Maitland-Niles has played in, in these really important, crucial games at crucial periods in Arsenal's sort of development under Mikel Arteta tells you all you need to know about what he thinks of him and how he sees him um, in terms of his development in recent months. So, you know, uh, if uh, Wolves think they're going to get him for £15 million, then no chance, mate. See you later. Uh, again, and I said this on TalkSport last night, um, had the pleasure of talking to Darren Bent and Faker others shortly after the game um, to give my thoughts on it. And I was asked about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And whilst I think he is very much a, a part of Mikel Arteta's plans right now, a part of me still thinks that if a bid came in for 30, 35 million, Arsenal would consider it. I'm not saying necessarily that selling him would be the right decision off the back of that. But given our current situation, I think that Mikel Arteta would consider that offer if it was to come in. But look, that's double what we've been offered so far. There's still a long way between Arsenal receiving a £15 million and a £30 million bid. Of course, it's been called up to the England squad as well by Gareth Southgate. So congratulations to Ainsley on that. Uh, happy birthday to him as well. And look, it must have been a great day for him and his family, of course. Um, right, let's see uh, what else we got uh, in terms of discussion points. Another player who uh, I think we need to talk about is Mohamed Elneny. Um, lots of people sort of being upset over the last few days at the prospect of Mohamed Elneny staying at Arsenal, you know, He's not good enough, etc., etc. It's a, a very common opinion amongst the Arsenal fan base at the moment. And I still don't think that Mohamed Elneny is someone that you necessarily want to see starting in your midfield week in, week out. I don't think he's progressive enough. I don't think he possesses enough quality. However, he put in a really solid display yesterday. Positionally, he was very, very disciplined. His passing was, was good. It was accurate. Um, nothing spectacular. I saw a few people pointing out on social media during the game that all his passes were sideways or backwards. Yeah, fine. Um, but 
he's in there to do a job as a deep lying player in a midfield pivot that is tasked with protecting the defence. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Mikel Arteta's system at the moment is very much geared to allowing Maitland-Niles or whoever the left wing back or maybe the right wing back is to get forward and support the front three as opposed to the midfield pivot doing that. In which case, Mohamed Elneny did a very, very solid job again yesterday. And I think he is someone that you get, you always get 100% effort commitment and you're always going to get a 7 out of 10 display. You're not going to get more than that, though, from Mohamed Elneny. You're never going to come away from a game and say, man, he dominated the middle of the park. Man, he pulled the opponents apart. He created chance after chance. He really managed to pick out the attackers in between the lines with great, intelligent football. You're not going to get that with Elneny, but you are going to get a solid uh, performance, an energetic performance, and a committed one. And therefore particularly with it looking like maybe Lucas Torreira might leave. We don't know whether Genduzzi will be called back into the side. I know Mikel Arteta has been speaking about that, but I'm not entirely convinced that his opinion of Genduzzi has just changed like that. Um, you know, he may be worth keeping on as an option. I don't imagine he's on a huge amount of money. And I also don't imagine that if we were to try and sell him, we'd recuperate a particularly big fee for him. Therefore, it might be wise to keep hold of Elneny as a squad player. I have to make that clear before you will start getting um, irate with me in the comments. As a squad player, he may well be worth holding on to. But as I said, we're going to have to wait and see how the situation develops in terms of Arsenal's midfield because I feel like that is an area we're going to see change between now and the end of the transfer window. Right, over 300 of you now tuned in live. Hit that like button. We've only got 83 likes, guys. Come on, let's... Let's get that up um, as high as we possibly can. And we're going to come back to the live chat now and look at some of your comments. Uh, Inter Yanan says, let's not get carried away. It's early days still. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, we shouldn't get carried away with a Community Shield final. But as I said, going into this game, it's about, it's about looking at the signs rather than the actual results. And I said this on the radio yesterday and, and, and I was pulled up on it and, and probably rightly so because it's worth explaining. But in terms of, you know, why I'm so pleased about Saturday's result is because of the way we played and the way we defended again against a side who have blown pretty much everyone that, that's come against them in the Premier League to the side with ease this season or last season, sorry, to do that and to defend as effectively as we did is is a massive improvement on where we have been before. And so you have to take that as a positive. And I said it that I would have been, all right, I wouldn't have been pleased if we lost on penalties. Of course I wouldn't have, but I still would have been happy with what I saw from the side, even if the penalty shootout didn't go away. And that is telling. That is telling because it suggests that, you know, we've, really really improved and that as fans we have bought into this project and the the way that we are moving forward under Mikel Arteta uh let's see what else we've got here um let me just quick going back let me just quickly go back sorry because I've just um I've just clicked the button and I've skipped past loads of your comments and questions so let me go back here we go um harry we looked good last two games at wembley because we played counter-attack how do we fare against teams playing a low block it's a great question 
And the answer to that is that that is a very, very different issue that Mikel Arteta is going to have to learn to overcome. We did see that, didn't we, um, towards the back end of the season? We found it difficult at times to break down sides who play um, with that low block and where the onus is on us to go out there and, and create rather than to absorb and then to go and create and expose spaces that are left by our opponents. It's a very different game. It's a very different approach. It's a very different style. And it's something that Mikel Arteta has to work on. It feels like we've got one half of it right. We can compete against the big boys at the moment. But on the other hand, we need to find a way of breaking teams down that are going to play with a low block as well. So, yeah, I agree. Um, it is something that needs work. Is it something that Mesut Ozil can play a part in? I know I said the O word. I'm expecting a meltdown in the comments now. But, you know, Arsenal need to find a way to be a little bit more creative. You'd hope that Willian will add another dimension, um, even if it is from the bench. He's someone with plenty of creativity, plenty of experience, hopefully can help us unlock teams. I think we're going to have to see adaptations in the way that uh, Bamiyang operates, in the way that Pepe operates when we do come against these sides. And I think we're going to have to see um, Lacazette play in those type of games because he is, a as I said, a little bit better at playing with his back to goal, turning in tight spaces inside the penalty area and getting shots away. I think it's um, it's something that people are right to be concerned about. But if Mikel Arteta has managed to get our defensive shape right, which I always believed was the hardest thing when it comes to this Arsenal side and with this group of players, his biggest task was going to be to make us more defensively solid. It feels like he's on the road to achieving that if he hasn't achieved it already. And so I have faith that he will get the attacking side of the game right as well. Uh, IS says, how important was this win, really? As I said right at the top of the broadcast, mate, it was important for confidence. It was important in terms of momentum. And it was important in terms of instilling that winning habit in this Arsenal side. That's what was, it, that's what was most important. Great. We've got another piece of silverware. We got the, the trophy lift. We got all the pictures. Aubameyang didn't break this one, which is great as well. Um, but that is a side note. That's not what's most important. It's about the confidence it gives and it breeds and it's about the momentum and it's about showing the world that this Arsenal team under Mikel Arteta are competitive. And will that help us attract players? I'm sure it will. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, diddly did, diddly did. Uh, S. Valentine says Ainsley made a nails for right back. Sell Bellerin and put that money into Awar. I think that Ainsley Maitland-Niles is probably happier playing at left wing back than he is at right wing back. And that's going to sound silly because of the fact that he is a right footed player. But I'll, I'll, the reason I'll, I'll say that is because in Mikel Arteta's system, from the day he joined Arsenal, we've been lopsided in the sense that the left has been our attacking side more than our right side. At times, Bellerin or whoever it is that's played right back has sat deeper and sacrificed his license to go forward in order to allow the left side to do it more frequently because he obviously feels, Mikel Arteta, that that is our strongest side and that is the side that we should be going down when we're looking to open teams up. So playing as the left wing back in this Arsenal side gives you more license to get forward than playing on the right side does. I genuinely believe that. I made that reference uh, quite a while ago, actually, when Mikel Arteta first took over. I was banging that drum about we're a little bit lopsided at the moment. But... 
I guess you have to be in order to keep the defensive shape. If you're telling both wing backs to push on at the same time every time, then it can leave you exposed, can't it? So, yeah, for that reason, I think Ainsley Metternich would probably prefer to continue on the left than on the right. Sell Bellerin and put that money into Oar. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if I would sell Bellerin. Again, though, I'd caveat it with if a mega money offer came in and Arsenal felt that that would allow them to go and get the likes of Thomas Partey and bring somebody like that in, I think we'd consider it. I really do. Uh, Red Gilly says, Arteta is very talented. If the board don't back him in two years, he'll be at Barca. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people, I'm sure, standing up, taking notice of what uh, what a job Mikel Arteta is doing at the Emirates Stadium right now. And they'll be eyeing him up for the future. And as you say, mate, you're absolutely right. The club need to match his ambition. The club need to believe in what he's doing. Um, and the club really need to um, get on board with the project. Like, I'm not going to say get on board with the project because I'm sure they want the club to be successful. I'm not saying that they don't, but they need to provide him with the resource to achieve sort of the maximum that he can achieve at Arsenal. I have no doubts that one day Mikel Arteta will go on and coach some of the biggest football clubs in the world. This is already one of the biggest football clubs in the world. But the likes of Barca and Real Madrid, you know what? They'll be um, they'll be sniffing around Mikel Arteta in years to come if he continues on this upward trajectory. Uh, uh, Tommy O'Donoghue says, have to go. Harry will enjoy watching this back later. No problem, mate. Thank you for tuning in in the first place. Um, Singh says, Maitland-Niles, man of the match, says my heart is in the club. I, Arteta, do you understand? Comprende? <laughs> uh, big hello to Ray Anderson. Big hello to Eli. Says, hi, Harry. Love the content. Is everyone subscribed? Yes, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Uh, almost 400 of you tuned in at the moment. Uh, via the various platforms, which is incredible. Because I was thinking, if I do this on Sunday lunchtime, are people going to tune in? Are people going to be busy? So I'm delighted to see so many of you are watching this live. Um, I'm out later, so I won't be around this. Why well, I didn't do it this evening. Um, uh, if you're listening back, you're not going to get this till Monday. So uh, via iTunes and all that. So you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? But yeah, this live stream is going out on Sunday lunchtime rather than Sunday night. Um, yeah. Uh, also, while I'm on the, uh, the, the the subject of the podcast format as well, I want to say a massive welcome to our new patrons. Again, yesterday we picked up a few more uh, patrons who joined us. And if you want to become a patron of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, you can do so by checking out the link rolling across the bottom of your screens now. www.patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. You'll receive access to exclusive content over the next few weeks. You'll be given priority on our fan phoning shows, the next of which is taking place on Tuesday evening. Um, and uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'd love to have you guys on board and your support means that we can continue enhancing the content, bringing on uh, some more guests. We can make improvements in terms of the technology, in terms of the quality of everything. So yeah, it is uh, very much appreciated. Um, but as I always say, it's not compulsory. So only if you feel like you want to support the podcast and you can, um, then please uh, feel free to do so. We won't. Uh, we'd love your support and we won't say no. Cheers. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, just scrolling through your comments. I'm just trying to pick up comments of perhaps people's I haven't read out just yet because there is a lot coming through at the moment. Um, Chris TV says after yesterday, Martinez is now close to signing a new deal. Um, I'm not sure 
if that is the case. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong, mate. I just I, I don't have any information on that at this moment in time. I haven't heard anything since the Community Shield final, and understandably so. I mean, it's Sunday today, isn't it? Um, that anything has sort of moved in terms of Martinez's future. Um, but yeah, uh, if that is right, I'd be pleased to see him stay. What else have we got here? Uh, Rahul says, we should sell Leno. I still think you need two top quality goalkeepers. If you're talking about pushing on, you know, potentially winning the Europa League next season, getting us back into the Champions League, we're going to have a lot of games next season. Remember, um, we're going to have the League Cup. We're going to have the FA Cup. We're going to have the Europa League. We're going to have the Premier League. We're going to have that Thursday, Sunday shitty routine that we all hate. I think that you need both. I, I really do think that you need to keep hold of both goalkeepers. And, and, you know, it's no good saying we need to develop the squad. We need to improve in this area and in that area. If they're then going to let players go who are of a certain standard and of a certain quality, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't sell any of them. Um, Pramod says, Matt Macy looks shaky in the MK Dons match. If Villa want Martinez, they should give us Grealish. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Uh, I can't see them. I can't see them giving us Jack Grealish. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, again, apologies if I missed some of your comments. There are lots and lots coming through live at the moment. I'm just trying to pick up the ones that jump out to me. Um, Craigie says, if Arsenal is struggling for funds, I'd rather I sell Laka and keep Emmy and Niles. We can't lose those guys. I think that's an opinion. Um Maybe not necessarily the Lacazette part. I don't think that is particularly a popular opinion. But in terms of the fact that we, you're saying we need to keep Emmy and Niles, I think a lot of people would agree with that. And um, understandably so. Um, DWTT says, Keeping Ainsley, Mate and Niles and both goalkeepers will hinder our ability to fix the middle based on what the team has shown us with their actions. Shouldn't we fix the middle first? I think we, we do need to bring in a central midfield player, don't we? We really do. And it's up to Mikel Arteta whether he feels like we need to... Like how many he needs to bring in. The point is here that he can't allow Torreira to go. Um, and he can't allow Genduzi to go, even if an offer comes in, if he isn't going to replace those players. Because we're desperately short in the middle of the park. I know Torreira and Genduzi aren't up to fitness at the moment. And that's why neither of them were even in the squad yesterday, but we literally had no choice but to play Xhaka and Elneny. And it depends on the system that we're going to play as well, doesn't it? If Mikel Arteta is going to stick with this system where the midfield are a deep-lying pivot, then some midfielders are more suited to that than others. For example, I like Joe Willock. I think he will develop. I like his enthusiasm. I like the energy that he brings to the team when he comes on. But Joe Willock isn't suited to playing in one of those deeper roles like Mohamed Elneny is. Therefore, Elneny is a better option in that position. It's not to say I think Elneny is a better player or he will be, will be a better player in the future or the one I would keep out of the two. But if Mikel Arteta has a clear idea on his system, then he will know what players will fit that and what players won't. And so when we're talking about fixing the middle, it's as much about getting the right profile of player as it is about, you know, adding numbers to the squad. Matt Gray says, I've heard a lot of fans saying we should keep Elneny as a squad player. The, like I have just, <laughs> the problem I have with this is if we get a midfield injury, Elneny starts every game. We need to improve on these players. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? If Torreira staying, if Genduzi stays, that's two players you would argue that would go ahead of Mohamed Elneny. So 
I don't necessarily think that we're just one injury away from him coming into the side, but I understand why people don't want to be dependent on him week in, week out. I, I really do get that. Um, Big on Boxing says, we drew with Liverpool, but massive improvements. Yeah, look, absolutely. Let's, we did win the game on penalties, but we were the massive underdogs. That's That's the point here, isn't it? Arsenal finished eighth and Liverpool finished first. I think there was 43 points between the two sides last season, which shows that we were worlds apart in terms of what we did and what we produced in the Premier League. So we were massive underdogs and we got the result. So for that, you have to be pleased. You have to be grateful. You have to take encouragement from the fact we were able to compete with them. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, it is a massive positive and, and there were massive improvements. You're absolutely right. 350 of you tuned in at the moment and we've only got 111 likes. Guys, smash that like button, please, um, on YouTube if you are watching us via that platform currently. Uh, what else have we got here? Sorry, just scrolling through the comments. Um, wow, loads and loads of comments. Loads of comments. Um Kaylee says, uh, big up to you and my daughter, Emma. Big hello to you guys as well, wherever you're joining us from at the moment. Um, what else have we got here? A few negative comments coming through, not in terms of the, the, the show, but in terms of the fact that maybe we're overblowing this achievement. MH says, come on, lads, we won a trophy last night. Let's be happy now. Agreed. Um, Opuram asks, is the community shield a trophy or not? Well, it's a piece of silverware. Um, isn't it? It is an object that you receive for winning a final. So, yeah, um, you have to say it is. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's uh, keep going through the comments. Um, Dave Atkinson says, watching the live whilst I'm cooking my roast. Great show, Harry. Thank you, mate. And I hope you enjoy your roast uh, dinner. Uh, Emmanuel says, so much love from Africa. You too, mate. A big hello to uh, you and your family and your friends and everybody. Um, Dwight Cunningham asks, who would you sell at the club seen as Arteta has made everyone better? Yeah, look, it's um, there is clear improvements in a number of areas. Um, I don't think there's any debate about that. When you ask me who I would sell, it's not as easy as saying, yeah, I'd sell A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The point is, in order to sell a player, an offer has to be there. Interest has to be there. And... You know, we can talk about the players that we'd like to see offloaded. But if there's no interest there, how are you going to offload them? You can't. So, you know, it, it's all dependent on what offers come in, the value of those offers, and whether we think that those offers and those amounts of money on the table will give us what we need to go out and improve in that area or not. If we're not going to improve in those areas, then is it... Is it worth selling that particular player? You know, you don't know. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult, as I said, to to try and say, yes, um, you know, I would sell A, B, C, D, E, F, G because I don't know what offers are on the table. We don't know what interest there will be necessarily between now and uh, the closure of this current transfer window. Uh, Going to pick up a few more of your comments because we're approaching the hour mark again, um, which is great. Great to see you all tuned in for so long and enjoying the content. Uh, Chris TV says, what do you think of Leeds and Rodrigo? Um, I've done a lot of work on Leeds United this season. They're one of the clubs that I cover for Snack Media at the moment. And so I'm I'm very up to date and up to speed. And I've followed Leeds very, very closely 
throughout last season. I think they're a massive, massive football club. I'm pleased that they're back in the Premier League. I think that Marcelo Bielsa is one of a kind in terms of his coaching styles, methods. Rodrigo is someone who will add something to that side. Um, he's never really been prolific though, Rodrigo. But as we've seen with Patrick Bamford last season, you don't necessarily have to be prolific to be Marcelo Bielsa's centre forward. And I say that in the sense of he wants players who bring more to the side than just goals in terms of their link-up, their work rate. And so I think that's why they've gone for Rodrigo, perhaps above others. But listen, if you come into the Premier League, it's there's very few more exciting places to be at the moment than Leeds United. 16-year absence from the top flight ended. They're back in the big time. And uh, they'll be hoping to push on again and become one of the powerhouses of English football over the course of the next few years, like they once were. Um, what else have we got here? See what else we've got in terms of questions and comments. Um, uh, Declan Maguire says, Hi, Harry, where do you think Ainsley Maitland-Niles plays when everyone is fit? Surely Kieran Tierney will go to left wing back when we sign Gabriel. Yeah, look, that's a great point. Um, when Mikel Arteta has more of the central defenders, he feels are up to speed at his disposal you don't expect to see Kieran Tierney playing at left centre-back. I completely agree with that. But by the same sentiments, I was talking about um, Emi Martinez in the sense of if he doesn't do anything wrong, how can you leave him out? I think that should apply to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles, one of the best things about him is his versatility. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, he's in danger of becoming a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. And, and he's probably fearful of that as well. And he wants to have a position. He wants to nail down a position. But, you know, for me, I can't see him playing in the centre of the midfield. I, I really can't. And so I feel like it's going to be one of those wing-back positions. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the wing-backs um, moving forward if he does that Arsenal. I really do. Uh, Renat says, Thiago will be perfect in the middle. Agree. Fantastic player. Wonderful player. Uh, sits in those deep positions, pulls strings, wonderful, wonderful footballer, but it feels as though he's on his way to Liverpool. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Adrian says, Arteta is a great manager. He had one of our worst possible lineups against Liverpool, against almost their best possible lineup, except Trent. Um, Tino says, if you could choose between Partey or Awa, who would you sign? Um, first of all, how you doing, Tino? Welcome to the stream, mate. Um, I would choose Partey. I've said this before, just because I feel like we're more in need of his physical attributes, of his energy, of his in industry in the middle of the park, rather than Awa's technical ability. I know he's a fantastic player as well. But I just feel like Arsenal could benefit more from what Thomas Partey brings to the table rather than Hussein Awa. But if we were to get either of them, I'd be over the moon um, this summer. Um, what else have we got here? Just uh, going to pick up one or two more because we've hit uh, pretty much the hour mark now, uh, which means we're coming towards the end of the show. Let's see. Um, da -da 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 -da. Just uh, quickly scrolling through your comments. Perfect time for me to remind you to hit the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe if you're new. And if you want to become a patron 
of the Chronicles of Aguna, you can do so by visiting the link rolling across the bottom of your screens now. Patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna had an influx of new members over the last week. A big thank you to every single one of you uh, for joining. We're delighted to have you on board. The more the merrier. Um, and of course, the more of you help, the more of us um the more we can push this podcast on, develop it, add more features, add more technology and get this up um, to where it needs to be in terms of the final product. 135 likes at the moment, guys. Let's get up to 150 before I finish. Going to take two more comments. Um, Ace Gamers says, what about Martinelli? How is he going to be in the squad? So Martinelli is very much one of the forward players. He's very much one of the front three Um I think with Martinelli, he showed great signs of promise when he first broke into the side. I thought he was excellent. Um, this injury that he suffered is a horrible one. It's one that I hope doesn't set him back too much. Um, you know, we know it's a, a slow recovery. We know it's going to take him a few months to get up to speed. But we also have to be mindful of the fact that it's A, it's going to take him some time to get up to speed. But B, he's 18 years old. And that means there will be inconsistencies in his performances. And I... Keeping Aubameyang, keeping Lacazette would mean that the likes of Martinelli aren't under immense pressure to deliver all the time. And I don't want him to be under that pressure because that pressure can be a real weight on a young player's shoulders and it can be to their detriment more often than not. So I, I want Martinelli to come back in. I want him to be part of that, the, the options that Mikel Arteta has available to him. I think he has all the attributes to become a really, really talented player. But I'm... I would be glad if the pressure was taken off of him in the sense of Oba delivers, Lacazette delivers, Pepe delivers, even Saka um, is there as well. Willian has come in as well. So I think it's a good thing that Martinelli is not going to be too heavily relied upon because there was talk, wasn't there, earlier about uh, sort of earlier in the year where, where Martinelli was really catching the eye and Lacazette was going for a goal drought and people were going, oh, get rid of Lacazette, we've got Martinelli. He's too young. You don't want to put that pressure on, on someone that young. And particularly now with this injury, it's going to take him a bit of time to get back to his best. And we have to be mindful of that. Right. Um, that brings us to the end of this edition of the podcast. Uh, we look back on the Community Shield victory over Liverpool. Another trophy for Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. Another victory at Wembley. Um, we also discussed some individual performances. We looked a little bit at the tactical side of the game and we went through lots and lots of your questions and comments. A big thank you to every single one of you for joining in. Delighted to see so many of you tuning in with us on a Sunday lunchtime. I, I did think that um, I was probably doing this at the wrong time today, but I'm delighted to see so many of you have joined us. So thank you so much. Over 400 of you were watching us at one point, um, which is remarkable. Um, so thank you to every single one of you. If you haven't already, by the time the outro plays, make sure you smash that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave your comments in the comments section below. And we will be back on Tuesday with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care. Ciao.